And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When Mark Kotze goes and says, does anyone have my back on this? He'd be like, oh, who's Ian Khan? Oh, George Washington. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our most favorite hour, or half hour of me, as you're going to find out in a second. It's under the radio. It's part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. With me, as always, my friend and yours, Ian Khan. Hello, my friends. Your friend in mine. I'm glad that you can pronounce my name correctly the way my Dutch ancestors would because I've grown up my entire life never knowing how to say my own name correctly. Can I try it once? Can I try it once on it? Right, right. Go ahead, please. That was more like Finnish. Um, I work on it. I am, to be fair, the only person I think in this entire company who knows there's not a space between Van and Riper, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of people just throw the space between Van and Riper all the time on you. Well, you know, as long as people know I exist, I think that's at least a, a step in the right direction. Oh, you exist, my friend. You exist. Oh, please, quite come on. In fact, you exist so much that I saw an internal memo of someone putting you on a list of people who love trading cards, which I find amazing. And someone put out yesterday that if I had listened to you um, and had been collecting trading cards. All those years ago, I would have lots of Aaron Judges, as I have in very many fantasy baseball leagues. Thank you very much. Very grateful for that. Uh, but I don't, and that's sad, but I'm fine. I do love well, Aaron I mean, Judge. I told oh you you'd God. be good at this. Like, if you're so good at Dynasty, yeah. like, you would be able to pick and choose some of these guys and probably make you, if you want to sell them on eBay. I guess, but then there's, yeah, but see, then, 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 then we're going to run into the Yermin Mercedes. Like, that, that's always the reason why, you know, you got to be nervous about this crap. I don't think so. I mean, what's I, I almost had a Yermin Mercedes sold for one hundred and twenty-five dollars. You no, it was two hundred and ten. Don't you remember? It was like two hundred and ten. I don't know. It's, it's, I try to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> then he's back in my release. How much are those? How much are those Yermin Mercedes cards going for right now? Would you guess? Five Eight to ten. Bucks? I don't have to guess. Eight to ten dollars. And how many of those do you have left? Uh, I only had two to be. Actually, I was selling the only one that I had that was All a right. bat, like the top seventieth, the first one, his very very first one. Okay, because um, you never had a Bowman or anything. So I've gotten some others. I've collected like three or four more autographed other ones, but I didn't buy them at the like I bought them at seven ninety five to ten dollars each. Sweet. Something crazy. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I love it. It's a good story, if nothing else. I mean, look, it's my baseball card. It's almost like my personal little museum. You know, like here's oh, yeah. remember when I was buying your mean Mercedes cards? Remember that time of life? Speaking of which, you know, did I ever really talk about the fact that I was in Cooperstown, New York, for uh, my son had a baseball tournament and um. And by the way, and we never talked about this, that I sent the video of you guys. Can I can I can I say out his stat line while he was in Cooperstown over the course of seven games? Can I can I do that? Or is well, that we're gonna be terrible people much? if we say no. Seven for sixteen, not bad. Four home runs, sixteen RBI, and eight runs scored in seven games. It was a monster week for the for the tall convoy. 
um, who, who took everything very much in stride. His dad is a terrible videographer, clearly, as you both know from watching the videos. Like, and, and, and you know, at the time, Nando, you were in full baby mode where it was just like you weren't really available. So I was literally texting DVR every day. I replied to everything new, else. I just, yeah, that one no, must just fine. fall through the cracks. This, you know, this like, was not, this was not, no, I'm making a different point. Oh, that, all right, sorry. During the week that I was, that <laughs> we were defensive. there. Yeah, no, you're fine. During the week that we were there, DVR, I was sending you one a day, right? Like you just had another one. Look Dinger a day. Dinger a day. But we also went to Cooperstown and we went to the Hall of Fame. And it was pretty remarkable place. There's a great 17-minute video. I would highly recommend it. It's a lovely town. It was really great with Chris Dolan, um, who is uh, Lennox's dad. Uh, we we went through uh, we went through Cooperstown. Who's on first was there? It was, it was a really just a really good time. But uh, we got lots to talk about on today's show, and I'm excited to talk about it. We had a bar in Boston. There's a big Boston College bar called Who's on First out by Fenway. I loved it. That was a place you could get into when you were like a freshman. You know. Yeah. I had a chalk like ID. That too. Sometimes you don't even need to chalk your ID. Dude, dude, my freshman year, I went to a place called Sperry's, and the whole freshman year, I was able to use my older brother's, uh, like, license, dri- old driver's license. And then the first time of sophomore year, I went into Sperry's, and the guy, the bartender knew me. He thought I was a little annoying because, frankly, when I was 18, 19, I really was. Were you like a, one of those? Uh, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm a theater major, friends. I was like, would you show up ball. still with like the, the Peter Pan blush on your face and in tights no, and stuff? I, right? I just baseball. came from practice. Rehearsal. No, I was, I, I, practice. Play practice. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. No, but I mean, I was a busy, my freshman year was the time where I was playing baseball still and doing theater. So like, it was just like, ugh. but we would go to Sperry's and then first semester, sophomore year, I go into Sperry's, I have it and we're going to, you know, we're all there. And he says, the, the bartender, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget his face. Don't remember his name. John. His name was John. And he had a weird mustache. And he looked at me and he goes, uh, you've been coming in here for a while now, haven't you, Ian? And I said, yeah, yeah. He said, let me see that ID again. I said, sure. He said, why does it say Joe? He said, get out of my bar. I was like, oh, oh, uh, really? He's like, yeah, you're done here. All of you are done. Get out. <laughs> yeah, None you of you can. They, you know, so, I think they yeah. did that so they can refresh the crowd coming in. Maybe, and I was I think just so a, they, would they find the popular guy and they're like, "Let's I was get not him." That, well, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, come on, all right. You know, now, now you're gonna be humble. Nah, well, I'm pretty humble all the time. If you ask me, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. All, right, all, right. all right, so what do we got? What do we got? A lot of baseball. I really want to talk about a lot of this stuff because that Can happened in a bar that I used to go to. All right, let's go. There was uh, a, there were two moments. There were two moments, and I want to get before we lose Nando. So we're gonna lose Nando in about. Uh, we're supposed to. He's got to leave in 20 minutes. So yeah, we're I'm sorry. I got to do manager, like real life manager stuff, which is right. So yeah. he'll be he'll be gone in 17 minutes. And there are a couple of things that like I kind of want to hit on before we lose you. Um, so and the first thing I want to talk about is there is an epidemic going on right now. It happened twice in the last three days with relief pitchers showing attitude to their managers when they get taken out of the game. It happened with Little in in San Francisco, kind of famously. I don't know if you saw Gabe Kapler where uh, Kapler came out to take Little out of the game and Little like literally like like gave him the ball and said something and you see Kapler's face looking all like, did he just really do that? And then Joey Bart covers his mask and was like, wow, he's really a jerk. They go back to the dugout. Little goes back to the dugout. Kapler gets back there because get your ass into the tunnel. And then you know what happened the next day? Little went back down to AAA. Bye-bye. Bye. I would do that. Great. Good. Bye. You know, yeah, that's not a playoff team. Get out. L- last night... 
Mall, who I don't even know who the hell that is. Number 60 for the A's. Ryan Null. Okay. He is it? was pitching in the ninth, and two guys got on. And no, no, no. He got two outs, and one guy hit a single. And I'm watching the game because I forget why. I think it was uh, Adulis was coming up or Nate Lowe or guys that are still like playing with me. And, and same crap happens. And he like literally like throws the ball. Mark Kotze, right? It is Kotze who's the manager of the A's, right? DVR? Yep. Good. Whew, good news for me. And like throws the ball in his hand and like walks out. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, are you an idiot? I mean, clearly you're an idiot, but are you going to be that much of an idiot? Did either of the two of you see either of these incidents? What are your feelings on the matter? I think you know my answer. No. Uh, but I also think they can hide this as, I'm just passionate about the game, man. <laughs> mm, yeah, all right. Okay. Okay. So, no, but I still don't know your feelings about the answer. What are, what are your feelings? I, mean, I think Gabe Kapler handled that exactly the way I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to go in the tunnel. There's no cameras here. And I'm going to tell you why you're never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Have a fun ride down to AAA. Yeah, enjoy <laughs> Sacramento. Yeah. And and see you never again, as far as I'm concerned. Like you disrespect your manager in that way. And can you pull up? Did did, did and was there no notice of this? I might have been the only one who caught this last night. But when Mall, I'm just gonna look on the Twitter machine, Mall Katze, and just see if anybody else made note of this because it's there and it happened. And nobody else seemed to have caught it. No. Well, why don't you tweet something to be the first? So when someone else is looking for it, like, oh, man, I wonder if anyone else saw this last night. When Mark yeah. Kotze goes and says, does anyone have my back on this? He'd be like, oh, who's Ian Khan? Oh, George Washington. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Marty Decker. Wait, Marty Decker has my back. <laughs> Here's the thing about this, though. Like this, These types of things, they matter more to me when a team actually treats an important player the same way they treat a less important player, right? Sam Mall, 30-year-old reliever for the A's. Zach Lill, fringe reliever right now for the Giants. Those guys getting sent down or demoted or whatever it is. Okay, that's sort of what you expect a team to do. But what happens when, if a legitimate closer does something like that? Yeah, right? that's like a that, fair question. How, how does a team respond then? I, I think there's still a difference in in the reaction and the punishment for the players that are more established doing this versus the guys that are kind of just clinging on to one of those last roster spots. Well, it's not that far different in the acting world. If you're the star of a television show and you throw a hissy fit, they got to keep you. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm saying like, I'm thinking back to different TV shows and places that I have seen actors throw hissy fits. And it's like, well, we're not going to fire you because you're the star of the show. So we got to put up with you. Whereas if a guest star or recurring does something similar, like you can easily be replaced. So I think that that's kind of human nature and part of the deal. So maybe, maybe if it was Liam Hendricks who did that, (laughs) all all these blind item, uh, which actor playing uh, our first president threw a hissy fit, but can't get fired because he's the star of the show. <laughs> it was not me, and I was not the star of that show. <laughs> the star of that show was Jamie Bell, and in some ways could be argued that Samuel Raukin, uh, who played, Hello, I'm Simcoe. Good to see you. Travel safe. Was more important to the show. Or it Bert was not Gorman, me. even. 
Oh, well, nah. Well, yeah, Burn, Burn, Burn. Oh, come Borman. on, you're, well, you're George Washington, and the show is called Washington Spies. Okay, fair enough. Either way, it wasn't. It, it was not actually on that show that I'm thinking of. It was a show that I guessed it on uh, at a different time. Um, but no, you, whoever's number one on the call sheet gets away with a lot more than someone who's 15 on the call sheet. And I guess maybe Maul and Little need to understand you're 25 on the call sheet. 27 at this point, right? Yeah, 23 on the call sheet. Do not like it. It, it actually looked like it, there was an fu behind it from them. Like, you, you know, you're embarrassing me and screw you, dude. I mean, Little actually walks away, turns around and says something to Kapler. Did you watch the video of this, Nato? Why don't you look it up while DVR has his final thoughts on the moment? I just think you need to be much more mindful and much more respectful of of your uh, boss, especially in public. I just, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, that I, I, I feel strongly. And it was, uh, it was not that Maul or Little is on anyone's radar for anything, but they certainly aren't on mine. Uh, hold on, wait. This is no. This is not happening. I, I can't get to it. All you had to do was go on Twitter and put in little L I T T E L L, right? DVR little, and everyone yeah, else should go take a look. Little, all right. There you Here go. We go. Whatever clutchpoints.com is has it. And it was two outs, and maybe Maul was reacting because he wanted to get the save. Like maybe that was why he was so frustrated. Because I think, yeah, Acevedo came in and. It was, yeah, it was with two outs in the ninth. Maul walked someone and then didn't get the save. So maybe that's what it was. But no, you don't get to do that. Sorry, sir. Glenn Colton agrees. I'm going to spend the majority of my 15 minutes here looking up this video and trying to destroy pop-ups. It's not important enough to (laughs) to spend 15 minutes looking it up. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was so. That was one there thing that I wanted to get to. Uh, he's going to watch it. We can watch him have the reaction. It's like a reaction video, which are fun to watch on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, this is boring. It's not boring. It's 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 human. It's incredibly human. Uh, he just looks like a whiny baseball player, man. Yeah. All right. Well, I, right? I, I take I, as someone who I I don't I don't care for that. Anyway, moving on to uh, the the other thing that one of the other things that that happened. The Dodgers, they're just too good, DVR. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> and last night, last night they had none of their starters in. And I'm wondering, do you think that we're going to run into a situation where if you own Dodgers over the course of these last three weeks, you're going to struggle because of it? That's a great question. Hmm. They've finished a few seasons like this in the last couple of years. Last year wasn't like that, of course, because of what the Giants did. I think we see rest for teams that are locked into seeding in that final week, but usually not before that. So it's usually just that last series or two. And if I remember correctly, I'm going to pull up their schedule right now. The Dodgers have a weird schedule at the end of the season. They play the Rockies, I think, a million times in a row. They have six consecutive games against the Rockies to finish their season, and they're all at home. Six against the Rockies? Yeah, it, it's because of the series that got wiped out at the beginning of the season because the lockout got rescheduled at the end of the year, right? So there's been a few different schedule quirks all year. The Brewers, I think, had two double headers against the Giants that were one-day double headers where they played different teams the next day. That was weird. And then the Dodgers, I must, I must have had three against the Rockies to start the year originally and then three at the end. And now it's just the three from the beginning got moved to the end when they read the schedule for six straight at Dodger Stadium. Wow. Huh. That's going to be interesting. So even if the Dodgers only get to hit play in three of those games, four of those games, you got to play four because then they're going to get two or three days off 
for the wild card. So they got to play some baseball. So actually it might not be as much of a problem. And the way the Colorado Rockies typically pitch, even away from cores, the Dodgers will still do well. But they're just such a good baseball team. They're just so good. Um, though I was driving with my son to baseball practice uh, the other night, and he said, can we go over like who you think is going to win in the American League and in the National League? So we did it, and he was like, all right, Yankees play Mariners. And I said, Yankees. And he said, okay, Astros play uh, Indians. I said, Astros. And it just came down to pretty much in the American League, it was pretty clear that I was like, the Astros are going to win the American League. But then when we did the National League, I have the Mets winning it. Not the Dodgers. Well, you're a homie. He's like, no, I, I don't know. I don't particularly care for the Mets. I mean, I love the Edwin Diaz intro. Da, 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 da. I mean, it's just brilliant. But no, it, it's the Verl- it's the uh, DeGrom and Scherzer of it all. And I feel like in the playoffs, DeGrom and Scherzer will take them home. Like, that's my feeling on it. And the Dodgers have Kershaw, but he's never been great in the playoffs. And who else do they have as a starter? You know, you're going to beat the the Diamondbacks typically. You're going to beat the the Brewers. You're going to beat the, you know. But when you're playing the Braves, I, I just think when it comes to playoff time, it's really about those starters. And that $41 million that, that Steve Cohen paid to uh, Max Scherzer, I think, is going to be determinative. Nando, do you agree? I, well, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think DeGrom is beyond worrying about if he's going to be healthy for the playoffs and stuff. But Scherzer, I, I don't know, man. Like, he might just tweak something again you know there might be like one of those injuries it's kind of off another injury you know like when you talk about well i hurt my knee and i came back too early and so now my other knee got hurt or like my hamstring is a mess now or my quad yeah but he was good last night seven strikeouts in his rehab start yeah but then today he could be like oh you know what man a little sore right here and then scherzer's going for an mri and then scherzer's out you know he could be back by october 3rd but let's assume let's just assume that everybody's healthy yeah and then you have a rotation of four the four starters for the mets oh they're gonna will be degrom nasty. scherzer bassett and then taiwan walker and and let's not discount like a carrasco Let's yes. not forget about a, a possible like Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling type, you know, on three days rest, Scherzer's just going to come out and throw four innings and like, you know, absolutely. He's going to the Mets, this Mets historic performance kind of thing. I, so who do you have? And then forget the American League. I don't want to say that I think the Astros are going to win, but I think the Astros are going to win. Who do you think just as of now, just as of now, who do you think wins the National League? I think it's the Mets. I think Pete Alonso is going to hit five home runs, you know, in the DS and CS. God, it's gonna have a he's gonna have a, a Ben Con week. Sorry, see what I did? See, I'm there not humble go. at all. There I'm a kid. Uh, DVR. What? Who do you think? I'm starting to think it's the Cardinals, dude. I was really why? Because he's from the I West. Get, nope. No, no, it's not. Just, Their offense is better than it's been in the last few years. The lineup's actually putting a yes, ton of runs is. on the board. The power is not that far behind where the Dodgers are at. They've only hit 15 fewer homers than the Dodgers. They strike mm-hmm. out less than the Dodgers do. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers lineup is better, but not by as much as people think. There's also defense. Cardinals play great defense. And they have they have Yadier Molina. Still got Molina, even though it's, the funny thing is Molina's going to finish this year with like a 60 WRC plus and he'll get to the playoffs and he'll mysteriously be good. Like It's just. Yes. That's just already the card- starting that's to be good. What the Cardinals do. The gap in the pitching isn't as big as you think either because of the Bueller injury. I know Tyler Anderson's been great. I know Tony Gonsolin's been great this year. Gonsolin's hurt. Right. They might not have him all the way back. He might be a multi-inning guy that can't start the way he ordinarily does. So, yeah, you, Kershaw Urias at the top is is very good. Very and good a, a yeah. notch better than Wainwright and Miles Michaelis. But, again, it's sort of like the lineup thing. 
you'd you'd take the two Dodgers, but it's not a landslide. And I just think it, it's a tough path through the NL this year. This is what you're getting really at. Tough. Yeah, the, the Mets pitching, the starting pitching could easily shut anybody down. That could happen. Atlanta, they just did it last year. Mm-hmm. They're strong too. I think this is going to be an amazing postseason. Like, I love the way this is is playing out. And I really want to see what happens in that wild card round in particular. I like the idea of the format. We Me were too. starting to talk about this a little bit on the 3-0 show for today, just in the sense of for a team like the Dodgers, having that buy is having those extra few days off actually a potential problem, right? Do you actually lose something without meaningful games at the very end of the season and then tacking on a few days off? Do you have a little bit of rust? Do you have any sort of, of, of effect that's, that's a negative, actually, from not playing games that matter for what will be a couple That's of weeks. That's why I was saying that I don't think that they're going to get six days. You know, those Car- those Colorado Rockies games, they've got to use them to, to stay sharp. Like, they've got to play in those last couple of games. That was exactly what my point was, that with those that two or three game thing, you'd rather have the bye, by far. You'd rather have the bye because you don't, you know. It's like in fantasy playoffs. Like if you can get the the buy, that's huge because you you don't you're not fifty fifty to lose. And at the end of the day, it's going to be like that. But yeah, oh man, I love the new playoff structure. You know, we we can beat up baseball for so many different reasons, but not for that. For me, I, I, I'm digging it. I'm hot dog digging it. Nando, you have anything else you got before you got to go? And you got to go. I just love you guys so much, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're happy you came. Sorry, I got to run. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's no, no, no. Sorry, better, better you came just to give us the the the, the Nando juice because you know people really like when Nando and I do when DVR and I do the show together. But everyone's sort of like when like Ariel comes like you know I mean you know I mean it, it really is better when there's the three of you. It's just because it's a very different experience. I mean, it's just like there are other shows where two smart guys are talking about stuff. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when Nando's there, all of a sudden it turns into a party. That's right. So <laughs> that's right. You know, We get to have you for the party for a little while, and then you'll be on your way. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, DVR, how good is Michael Harris? How good is he? Because there are moments where I say, oh my goodness, he is really that good. So you're starting to fall into the maximum Michael Harris trap, if it's a trap. It might not be a trap at all. That's Mm -hmm. That's the question. That's the Michael Harris problem right there. Is is this real? Is he going to be a top 30 player immediately going into 2023. Is that what he's done so far? Because he's closing in on a 2020 season might come up a little light with the steals. He's 16 for 17 though. So all it takes is a couple big series. He'll get there. He's hitting for average. OBP is fine. We talked about him, I think a few weeks ago on this show. And the, the concern at the time is just that the, 
the O swing percentage is really high. Swings at a lot of pitches that are outside the strike zone. But that's just picking nits in a player that's doing everything else really well. So I think if you want to have Michael Harris on your team next season, you're going to have to treat him probably like a top 15 outfielder, if not more. I was starting to work on rankings for next season, and I just just started the outfield. I think it was last night, so I've got the rough draft of, of where Harris is going to go. And where do you think he actually landed as I reshuffled that top group of outfielders? I'm going to guess at number 13. You're very close. I got him at 11. You know, Mershak and I were talking about, and we were talking about, um, ah, we were talking about uh, doing next year, if we do the main event, if we do two teams instead of just one. And we were talking about how we like drafting from 15 and who would we get at 15 and although, or at one or at eight, you know, we like picking from anywhere. And whether Harris is in that conversation. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you two guys that are not going to be on my team next year. Michael Harris is not going to be on my team next year. Spencer Strider is not going to be on my team next year. Neither okay. one of them. I'm not going to buy either of those guys. Because you're paying Going, maximum you're pay- price. Yeah, yeah. And you're paying for the fun of it as well. But I wrote this in the rundown Tuesday night. I think it was, I think he, Harris, it was like <laughs> like three for four. Not stealing bases, but like two home runs, I think. Or maybe it was just one home run. But I was just like, wow, he's really like remarkably good and it's in tout wars that i have him and at the time i would i had just fallen again out of first place in tout wars tout nl to second place and i'm telling you dvr there's something to this in a close league i don't really like being in first place <laughs> i like stressed every day it's just at the because you're like oh he's gonna come get me there because there's two teams that there's three of us that are really fighting it out i've been in first now for eight weeks with just that there was like three days where I fell out and I was like, oh, this is great because now I'm not supposed to win anymore. Right. And as soon as you're in, as soon as you drop down to second place, it's like, all right, well, hey, I got a shot. I don't have to hold the lead. I got to see if I can climb over the guys, uh, climb over this guy who just took the lead. And that night, because I did it for Tuesday night is when I put the rundown together. I was in second place. And I was like, this is great. Oh, I'm loving it. If I know, second place is good. Hey, second place uh, labor, second place tout. I can live with that. And I just checked. I'm back in first place. And I'm telling you something that makes me uncomfortable. I'm I'm stressed again. <laughs> like it's like either I want to be in first place by like 20, where it's over, or I want to be like just below first place so I can climb over at the end. Do you do you? Am, am I crazy? Am I stupid? I'm stupid. Am I crazy? What do you think? I think you need to just, in, in either one of these cases, look at the categories and see how flexible they still are. Like How, how yeah. much fluctuation can you reasonably expect? Because I think you can, you can talk yourself into having more security than you really do if you've got a seven-point lead, but you're not looking at the categories. And right. you, can, you can count yourself out when you shouldn't if you don't actually look at how close the categories are. There are so many leagues right now. The wins category... Yes. Every single win is a standings point and there's people tied at certain spots. So if you run hot for a week with wins, you could make up three to four standings points in a week. And that could by itself move you from second to first or if someone could pass you very easily or you could move into the money or you could fall out of the money just from that one category alone. And of course, other categories can be very very close to but wins across the board and i think every league i'm in if you're somewhere 
between third and 10th in wins, there's a chance you can still make up a few standings points quickly. In GDD, there were like six of us that are stuck somewhere between 70 and 74 or 76, 77. Like, and we're, Rob and I are at 73. This is the only place we, we can, we can certainly grow there uh, to, to make those extra points up. It's it's fabulous. It's so much fun. Like it's just how how do you win a league? Do you win a league like the Dodgers? I got a couple of leagues that are like the Dodgers. It's like, hey, no, we are cruising to the end. Let's have a let's have a party. And I would recommend that if you are in that situation, like, and you have especially if you have a partner, enjoy it with your partner because there are so many more times in your life of playing fantasy baseball where things are not going to end like this. So when you're in that spot of cruise control, like, really enjoy it. But it's the other ones like DL one right now rob and i are are dealing with cushing who is charging man and it just feels like he's going to take it it just feels like he's going to sneak it out there are a couple of leagues like that where i think we have the lead we're we're up by a point uh point and a half uh three points okay but but he's gonna he's gonna pick those points right back up and it's like that those are the scary moments it's like i don't want to i don't want to lose it at the end you know i'd rather be just anyway rather just be behind but the point is there are still there's still time to make a shift and make a difference in in leagues and there's some that there's none there's nothing you can do uh but still like you should you should keep on rolling with it but anyway that's uh now there's another guy i wanted to talk about in this world, probably the pitcher, if you had to pick one pitcher who you have across the most leagues this year, who would it be? Hmm. I've got judge and bats almost everywhere on the hitter side. That those were my two Same. core bats judge. And trying to think if I have an equivalent pitcher, I, I did a pretty good job this year. I think my, my group of pitchers that I liked was a little bit bigger than usual. Mm-hmm. I know I've got a lot of Ryan Presley on the reliever side, and that's nice. up, that's worked out that fine. Yeah, so it's been my, good. It, it might be he might be my most rostered pitcher. I'm going to see if I can actually track down a a certain answer for you. But Presley comes to mind as the pitcher that I was getting the most. And that was more early in draft season when closers got more expensive. I you decided that was the the number five guy was the guy or number four guy. Yeah, I kind yeah. of bailed on the the top end closers later in draft season. I mean, we, we lived at at or near the threshold for how much you could willingly pay for top closers for most of the winter and spring. And then something finally snapped. Or it's like, OK, this is this is too much. It's it's silly how that is. It was like, well, it's like the stock market. Pick 35, pick 40, pick 45. Oh, yeah, I'll take a closer there. Pick 30. Nope. <laughs> it's just like, what, what, is it that much of a difference? Like, yeah, it kind of is actually. Kind of is actually. Yeah, it kind of is. And I can't wait. We're going to start that process all over again. And I'm kind of excited to, and, and you and I are doing the XFL. I don't know if I'm going to be there to actually do the draft. And I still don't know how that's going to work out. Um, but we're going to have to start working right away. Pretty much as soon as the season's over to prep for that. Um, which is an honor to be a part of that league for you. I mean, I'll speak for myself, but for me being partnered with Steve Gardner, my man, um, the guy for me, Carlos Rodon is in a number of the leagues and I'll tout uh, devil's rejects, but the guy who I have everywhere and it's because of Tim McLeod, my old partner is, and I've had him in deal one since he came over is you Darvish. Also have him in devil's rejects. Also have him in GDD also have him in the main event. And I didn't want him in the main event. 
I did not want him. We, we've talked about the fact that we our top four picks in the main event for Rob and I were Devers and Betts at, four, at 15, 16, and then Aaron Judge and Cedric Mullins, 45, 46. So, and I was avoiding all top-level pitchers. Did not want a Bueller, did not want Burns, didn't want any of them. Didn't want any of them. Didn't like it, didn't like the price, didn't want to do it. So we got to 5-6, and I wanted Logan Webb, who's been fine. But then the big question came, and I think I even talked about it on the show. I wanted Alec Manoa from the bottom of my soul. I thought, this guy's the beast. And Rob, at the time, kind of over didn't overrule me on it, but he was just like, we can do Manoa. But I really think we should take Darvish. I just think Darvish is the right guy. And I was like, but Rob, I got Darvish here. I've got, we've got, you and I have Darvish in DL1. We have him in GDD. I've got him in Devil's Rejects with Wilson. I don't know if I want to be that invested. He's like, Darvish will give us the most innings and the most strikeouts. And he's the, he's the best choice here. So I said, all right, we're going to do Darvish. So we did Darvish. And then Darvish gave up eight runs in like his second start. I think it was his second start. And Rob was just like, I'm so sorry. And and Manoa was just mowing everybody down, mowing everybody down, mowing everybody down. And I was just like, you know, I mean, geez, you know, Manoa. I was, well, you Darvish has been phenomenal. And I tip my hat to my partner, Rob Mershak, because now, and Manoa has been amazing too. And they're very, very close. Uh, in in overall value over the course of the season. I think Manoa is like the number nine ranked pitcher and Darvish is like the number 11 ranked pitcher. But what Darvish has done is everything that we could have ever dreamed that he would have done. And I just, I wanted to give Rob just props for it and credit for it and say, it's one of the things I know Rob DiPietro wants to have Rob and I on the show to talk about like, how do you do this partnership thing? And why do you enjoy it so much? Is so valuable to find a partner and DVR one day, maybe you and I do a team together. I think we would have a really good time doing it, even though we're, we do compete in different places, but having a partner is so good for you as a, as a, as a redraft player and as a dynasty player, because if you're smart enough, you'll learn something from them. And I know I've learned so much from Mershak. Anyway, I just really wanted to say that, that watching Darvish and then watching Darvish against J rod at 1135 at night, the other night, Rooting for both of them because I still own J-Rod in a couple of leagues was so much fun. I was rooting for Darvish more because I own him in more leagues that are more important. But there's nothing like it. Watching two of your best players that you own in so many spots. Anyway, that's just a little soliloquy there. You have any thoughts? Well, I do think sharing teams it has plenty of benefits. I think it's challenging for reasons that we've discussed you know, today and in the past a little bit. It's just... You have to find the right mix. You have to find someone that helps cover your blind spots and you can help cover their blind spots potentially. So for me, I think it's probably getting someone that isn't as wired to the projections as I am. Like I want, I need, I need someone that plays, I mean, honestly, more, more like you do. Like you, you play a little more what I see, what I feel. And I think that's the kind of partnership you want. Now, I know that Derek Cardi and Ariel Cohen play together in, in GDD, and they've done really well. I think each of the two years they've partnered up. It can been work. Fun. It can they've work other ways, but you need you need to have some sort of difference that the other person can cover. I I think for like the optimal benefits to kick in, and and that might even just be 
who likes to handle what part of the roles? Mm-hmm. If that's right, if, if one person's not good at fab or doesn't like fab and the other person doesn't mind sitting around for 30 minutes on that particular league and really digging into the weeds, like that's a great partnership right there to have. So I've, I've worked with people that I think were much more detail oriented with the waiver wire. And that has helped you know, help me avoid making my player pool too narrow when I go into picking up players every weekend. One of my real weaknesses in the game is I'm not great at having the discipline to sit down and look at what we need points-wise and scoring-wise to the point that I called Ariel. Um, okay, sorry. Um, I called Ariel last Sunday. Was it? Yes, it was this past Sunday. I was like, hey, I need you. I need a favor. He's like, I'm at dinner. I said, oh, okay. Um, can you just take a quick look uh, when when you're done with dinner um, about uh, if I were to pick Sean Manaya up and NL Tout because he got dropped, and I think it's going to help me for wins, and I think it's going to help me for strikeouts, and I'm fighting for the thing, and I need it. I, I find myself at a point, even on the two teams that I do completely by myself, which is AL Labor, though I do that totally by myself, and NL Tout. At this point, I'm calling in help. You know, if you look at the great chess players, what they do is they have a team behind them who talks to them about the theory behind this moment and this moment and that moment. Yeah. And I, I just think, like, try to find your friends and try to find a way to work together. I definitely think there is upside there and just got to put your ego aside. And sometimes you got to look at your partner and say, sorry about that. I blew that one. And then sometimes you get to say, hey, I had that one right. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, great work. So it's actually like you feel like fantasy baseball can be a very isolating experience where it's just you and it's like you and your brain against the numbers and the num- the letters on the on the thing. How 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 can we do it in such a way? that it flips, that you get to have a more holistic experience. I encourage it. You have any thoughts? It's such a long season, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's it's a humbling game more often than it's a completely rewarding one. Like You, you do win, and, and when you win, you feel good. When you don't win, you feel terrible. I, I can look at my leagues this year. And I'm I'm happy about more than half of them. Like I'm in a great spot in a lot of my leagues this year. This is shaping up to be a, what could be one of my better years of playing. Mm-hmm. And yet, I'm still looking at the worst of my teams and saying, "What the hell did I do wrong here? Yeah. Why is my TGFBI team sitting in twelfth? That's my one team, TGFBI, bro. I cannot crack it. I just and I don't get it because I like the team still." It's like this team, I think there was just a period of time. I'm going to be mid-pack in that league. That's the only league where it's just like, yeah, that didn't work. It did not work there. That's the only league that I feel that way. And I gave it everything I had. It just didn't didn't happen. I think that's part of it. But also, it's like, where are you going to look in your life? Are you going to look at the problems? Or are you going to look at the places to be to be grateful? I, frankly, you know, we uh, Rob and I talked about this this week. I mean, we're in the fight for, we're actually in the fight for the overall. Believe it or not. Sorry, that's great. A plane going overhead. Um, we're currently in, I think, uh, where are we? Hold on, let me see where we are. Cause it's, it's, we're, we're there. We're within, it sounds like a lot, but we're within 300 points of first place out of 6,200. We're at, uh, hold on, please. We're in eighth place currently. And we're a squidge. We have 136 points in the league. Duso has 113.5. So we're, we're set there, but in the overall, we are at, 
Uh, and that team's name, by the way, is Nesson Dorma under Robert's name because he's the one who signed up on the co-manager. We got 59.35, and Jenstead is at the top with 62.30. So we're, gosh, we're under 300 points away. And we we could we could actually we we could be in fourth place tonight because it's really tight right there, and and I think what I, one of the things that I was talking to Rob about this week we we had a, Jack Flaherty had a bad start, and my partner was sad about it, and it was it was it was like and 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 it's more like Kobe Bryant. It's like yeah yeah we may win and we may lose. But either way, we're getting up again tomorrow and we're going to give it everything we have. We do the best that we can. And that's good enough because even if we finish eighth out of 705, that means we're in the top 1.1% of players this year in the main event. We'll walk away with a good amount of money, which is pretty nice. But let's not let our down. It's too hard to win these things. Maybe I learned this from being an actor. You know, many people auditioned to play George Washington, 250 of them. Jeez, man, that's like applying for most competitive jobs. Well, it's the NBA, baby. Yeah. The acting world is the NBA. There's 250 people who, who auditioned for that job and some who were, and, and I auditioned for many other jobs where there was 250 and I didn't even get close. And I think maybe that's where you learn it. You just learn. It's like life doesn't, life isn't always going to work for you and that's okay. You just keep going, keep getting better, keep improving, learn, learn and, and don't get down on yourself. Damn it. Damn no, it. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not, not living. you. I just mean, I'm talking, I'm talking to, to our listeners out there. When you're looking at your teams, don't get down on yourself. You trying, you still going for it. Good. You learning from stuff. Good. You ready for 2023. Good. I think for me, that, that's what it's about. It's about learning for 2023. Why do I look at a, a leaky team that's in the bottom third of, of TGFBI? Well, it's because I just want to know what I did wrong. So I don't do it again. Like I don't, I don't want to make those mistakes in that league or anywhere else ever again, because I, I hate being bottom half. And then mm-hmm. I, I, obviously I want to cash everywhere, right? My, my reasonable expectation, and maybe this is setting the bar too low, I expect to be top three in every league I play in. That's mm-hmm. where I expect to be. If I'm lower than that, I'm pissed. I did something wrong. That's, that's where I'm at. Because I know mathematically, realistically, you're playing in leagues with sharp players. You will not win every single league. If you think you're going to win every single league every time, You'll drive yourself crazy. Yes, absolutely. And you can have the amazing season. Phil Dussel had the amazing season. Mm-hmm. The best fantasy baseball season of all time. That's possible, but extremely unlikely to happen. That is so hard to do. So, yeah, playing for overalls, especially if you're in any league that has an overall component and you're contending for an overall, you did a ton of things right. So if you yeah. finish 8th, 5th, 10th, whatever, wherever you finish near the top in a league like First. that, amazing. Scott Jensen's a great player. He's a great player in that range all the time. That's the That's success is being there all the time. That's right. That's the highest mark of success. You are always in contention. You're always mm-hmm. in the mix for the money. You're always in the mix for the overall. That's that's really the goal. At least that's my goal. Well, that's what Ariel Cohen says. Hey, you know, first, second, or third, and 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 you know that's where pretty much where I end up all the time. First, second, or third. I was doing that as Ariel. Yeah, that's what it's about. But that's what it's about. And then two, two in the top 10. Steve Weimer's got uh, fourth and sixth right now in the main event. That's pretty awesome. It is. It's very, very, very impressive. And it it would be interesting to to really look at what they did and how they did it. 
Uh, a lot of luck, though. I'm telling you, if, if Betts was out for three months, if Devers was out for three months, if Judge didn't do what Judge was doing, you know, it, it, there's it's it's been great, man. This may be my favorite season ever. Actually, this might be and and I'm feeling great about it. And hopefully if, if tout came through, that would be amazing. I mean, that would really be uh, kind of thrilling, but it would be it will be amazing. Whatever it is, I may finish first. I may finish second and I may finish third. It's going to be one of those three. And that's that's all you can ask for, is that, as you said. It's like, hey, you get to come to the end of the season and you're playing meaningful games that you're going to be biting your nails about. Like last year at the end of DL1, Rabbi Ari Sunshine, it literally came down to one at bat. <laughs> Seriously. One. We had one at bat one after all of it. at bat. Aaron Judge getting a hit and me screaming and praying and knowing that it was going to be that one point to decide it was going to be 135 to 134.5 and if, I, if he did not get a hit I would have gotten 134 we Rob and I would have gotten 134 instead of 135 that's the fun of it man that's the joy of it so you know squeeze squeeze all the juice out of the out of the out of the onion I was going to say out of the onion drinking onion juice what the hell if you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Couple of players I just wanted to ask your opinion about Ryan Nelson. What? I picked him up in Maki, and I'm trying to win Maki because I think he can yes, actually you are. help me. I think he he will actually have starts that I want to use. Did you actually start him against the Dodgers on Monday? I did not. I did not I did not have the the trust level. No. <laughs> Why if you did it because you had to and it worked out, great. That sometimes you just have to make the desperation play. In that league, you can separate you know, the weekend starts from the early week mm-hmm. starts. There was no way I was going to use Ryan Nelson, given that ratios are tight in that league. I can lose a point. That, every point's going to matter. That yep. that league's going to come down to the last day. It's going to be you and, and Jim Bibby. Tom and I are, are locked in the third in that one. There's just no way around it for us. Um, and yeah, but, but do you think he's good? Because I went to James Anderson, Ding's prospect list. He does not appear on that list. I went other places. He does not appear on on certain lists. Is he for real? Did you watch him? Have you seen him? Yeah, I watched the first start, or at least most of the first start against San Diego. I think he's real. 
And there's a few reasons why I believe he's real. I didn't realize this until I brought him up on the Athletic Baseball show last weekend, last Friday. Keith Law co-hosted that show with me, and I'd like to get his thoughts on players like Nelson because if they weren't on the radar as fantasy prospects, there's a very good chance I've never seen them and maybe even never read about them. And Nelson was a reliever in college, and he's a second-round pick, so there's, there's definitely some pedigree there. But the secondary pitches have come along a lot better than expected. That's been the, the big part of, well, how is he doing this? And I think the reason, the main reason why Ryan Nelson has been overlooked in fantasy circles is because the surface numbers at AA last year and at AAA this year were not great. The ratios were bad this year in Reno. We know Reno's very hitter friendly. We know those, those PCL parks are generally difficult places to pitch. Even with that, I think that kind of tempered some of the enthusiasm. And last year, you know, 23-year-old at AA with a 351 ERA, 119 whip, 77 innings. Those are good, pretty good ratios. A lot of strikeouts, bad home run rate. It almost seemed like people were, were locked in on the things he couldn't do or wasn't doing as opposed to being into the things he was. And I think the big important thing to think about with the home run rate, it's not just Reno in that system, in Arizona's system, that is a problem park for pitchers. Amarillo is their double-A affiliate. It's a relatively new minor league affiliate from the last few years. That's a brutally difficult place to pitch. So I think as a group, it is possible that we are undervaluing all of Arizona's pitching prospects just because of the unique challenges of pitching in some of those upper minor league environments. Yeah, I, I had actually seen something. Maybe it was from that podcast, but someone made mention of of that in particular, and that's why I put him on the list. I want to bring up another player uh, that I was so loud wrong on. Ready? Here's a guy who I literally said he will be on none of my teams this year, and he's on none of my teams this year, and I was just wrong, which is good. Uh, like I said, you could be better to be wrong on a guy hitting – that hits than being wrong on a guy you think is going to hit and he's on your team because just for obvious reasons, the guy with uh, is Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, dude, I wasn't even close. I was kind of out on him for most of draft season. And I think it might've been Derek Cardi that had a pretty good thread about Suarez's past production, the injury that he was dealing with. He had that accident. He tripped, I think playing, at a pool with his kids or something, he hurt his shoulder, and he wasn't really the same player for a little while after that. And I also thought, you know, leaving Cincinnati, we'd see a downturn in homers. That was a significant one, right? You take Nick Castellanos out of that park, he ended up going to their hitter-friendly environment, but that was a concern I had about Castellanos in draft season when he was a free agent. What happens? Not in Great American Ballpark. The same kind of logic was applying to Suarez, and it's another example of looking past what a player is still doing and only focusing on the flaws. Last year, Eugenio Suarez had a 15% barrel rate. He hit 31 home runs. The counting stats were good for a, a near everyday all-season role. You know, 79 RBI, 71 runs scored. Put him on a better team, those stats are going to go up. And it's not cheap power. It's, no. backed, it's backed by four years now, it was three years at the time, of a double-digit barrel rate. That is real power. The only thing, the only thing we should have been worried about with Eugenio Suarez 
is the batting average, right? But we have plenty of power bats that we look at and we roster every single year who might hit 225 to 245, depending on how balls in play break. The 230 masher that plays every day, that's a good player in our game. And I think had we also known going into the season that the ball was going to be dejuiced and that the humidors were going to be as much of a factor as they have been, that might have also softened the blow of taking a hit in batting average because you know the league average was down for a good chunk of this season. I think it's still down. I'm going to check that out now. Actually, it's been a while since I looked. But yeah, I, I, I started off as way out on Suarez and was sort of creeping in in the later part of draft season and pretty much missed out with the exception of maybe one league this year. All right. Well, while you check that, I'm going to I'm going to come up with uh, some clever clothes. And also I'll start with this for the man who showed up for the first 30 minutes and then had to go to another meeting, but gave us his joy and his clown behavior. Nando Davino. Thank you very much. <laughs> it sounded like drunk Elvis <laughs> for the man. For the man who who called out me for calling out Nando for sounding like drunk Evis, Doug Van Riper. That's me. I'm Ian Khan. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. It's going to be fun. Keep it rolling. Keep it rocking. Uh, we'll see you for sure next time. Bye. Good talk. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.